0: And hello, boys and girls and babes. Welcome to episode three of of Revive Don't Mess With the Metro. Speaking to you now is your beautiful CAPS rep, Ian, joined today by Dan and Andy and, of course, Matt, three of our Rangers representatives. We hope to have Gianni, Eric, and Gabe join us later. So, gentlemen, uh, how's the pa- how's the past week been? Anything different in quarantine?
1: I gotta love the comment, ladies, gentlemen, and babes. I mean, it's
0: <laughs> boys and girls and babes.
2: Get it right. Oh, my bad, my bad. But okay. that's I approve. One. I still approve. Doesn't matter. Uh, I know that uh, we have a little bit of controversy that we kind of had in the uh, pre-talk. Uh, Matt, what's your beef with Ian right now? Oh,
1: I mean, he... So, we have a little uh, Twitter streak going. I don't know what he's doing. Every single day of quarantine, he tweets a new hot take. Now, Mm. I'm supposed to be the king of hot takes on this um, podcast after I took that title from Andy. But this take was just (laughs) over the moon terrible. (laughs) Ian believes that Subway is better than Chipotle. Possibly... The worst food take I've ever had <laughs> my entire life. If I want a sandwich, I'll go make it myself with boar's head ham and a little cheese and a little mayo. I don't need to go pay $9 for a new $9 for a $5 foot long that's not even $5. It's just a completely ridiculous take.
0: You know, during the sports shutdown, there aren't sports to wrestle people's feathers on this bird app. So. Well, Sometimes you have to take a, matters into your own hands.
2: Just a quick little thought, though: What does Chipotle offer that Subway can't one up them on? Are you asking me that? Just, just, in general, because Chipotle, Chipotle is, is the basically the burrito else? version of Subway.
0: Pretty much. So if you like, when I you, said that when I said that take, I replied to one of my mutuals saying, but it's but it's close. Love both. It's pretty close. But I'm giving the edge to what I've had eaten
3: longer.
2: And you're uh, just you're just gallivanting over there. <laughs> <you>? <laughs> See,
3: it's kind of funny that you compare these two because really they're both the little brother uh, restaurants of their respective food chain, like um, food conglomerate sort of, whatever it's called. Um, because really, Chipotle is not as good as Mo's, and Subway is not as good as Jersey Mike's. So. It's like you're comparing the Clippers to the um, Islanders or something like that. I mean, have fun comparing those mediocre franchises while us intellectuals will talk about the important ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll go right out there and say it. I believe Moe's is better than Chipotle, too. But, Welcome the to Moe's. But I'd much rather have Mexico... Like, my whole point was that I can just make a sandwich in my kitchen when I can't re- I'm not going to go put rice in the rice maker. It wouldn't even taste as good as chipotle rice. And then you got like a burritos or something I wouldn't make at home when I can easily just make a sandwich. Like, I don't
3: know. I just, yeah. You got a point there. That's the other thing also, like I would, I mean, honestly, like, especially nowadays with this whole like quarantine thing, it's making me miss a lot of like the smaller restaurants compared they like do things differently than just like the big chains. Cause I'm really just like, okay, I've had enough of like the big chains. If I'm getting something out to eat, like if I go, if I eat at home, that's one thing, but like, it's been entirely too many times that like, if I'm at work and I'll go somewhere, I would like, or I have something delivered. I'm just like, well, crud, the only ones that are open are the big ones.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think quarantine's really got me. I just miss sitting in restaurants and like. For real. Literally. Or bars. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely miss bars. Game's on in the background. It's like. Or Or you got the Maction on. It's a Saturday. (laughs) You're you're absolutely dead after a Florida. big Florida football win. It's eight o'clock. You're at Buffalo Wild Wings. You can't even read the score, but you know there's a good Pac-12 game on right now.
3: Pac-12 I, after dark.
1: I miss
0: those days, man. The uh, bagel store just a mile down the road is said they're closed for the next few weeks, and that shit hurt, you know. Right yeah. here, yeah. Mm. it's unfortunate. And exactly. quite and quite frankly, I don't exactly eat out all that much because it's cheaper. So. To not do Fair so,
1: I mean as a D one athlete, do you not have like a meal swipes or like something like that?
0: I, I mean, I mean, I have points if I like need to go like grab food on campus like mm-hmm. instantly like given my schedule, but like no, no, so, I just I just have to buy enough at the grocery store <laughs> and yeah. eat enough. So food debates—that's what we've been up to in the past week. So. So let's see. This past week, uh, President Donald Trump and uh, owners from owners from the four major sports leagues, in addition to NASCAR, WW, think WWE, and can anyone brush up on any other league I'm missing?
1: Um, uh, the WNBA was there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a uh, uh, President Trump and the owners uh, <clears throat> had a uh, virtual meeting over the past week, and uh, and they just simply. Uh, discuss the there that he wishes for the NFL to start on time, even if right now it might look kind of bleak or if this is just a bunch of wishful thinking or whatnot. But most of, from what I read, the, most of the meeting was informational as opposed to informal or decision hammering down kind of making. Making so.
1: Yeah, from the uh, way it
0: Dan, Matt Matt, uh, what do you what do you have to say on the on this meeting?
1: Uh, from the way it sounds, I feel like we're just gonna be riding with NASCAR for a while. I'm kind of digging this like NASCAR video game they're showing. I honestly have no. I would not be able to tell it from the real thing if the announcers didn't mention every five seconds that it's just a video game and they're not <laughs> in the cars. And it's kind of sick, but I think this dude. Dana White, with the UFC buying a private island, may be the sickest thing I've ever heard in my entire Mm -hmm.
2: life. Like, talking about power move, that's literally the definition of a power move.
1: The fighters won't even know where they're going to be. Like, this is literally the sickest. You're just going to get blindfolded, go on an airplane, fight basically to the death. Because, you know, in, like, a private island, there's no medical system saving you once you get the shit beat out of you. Like... Honestly, I think UFC is a must-wash for the next, like, until maybe we get baseball back, but who knows um, if that
3: happens. The meme of, like, modern problems require modern solutions, that is very on-brand for that meme.
2: (laughs) Yep. Dan, do you have any words or thoughts? In the whole grand scheme of things, I'm glad that they're taking it, like, day by day, rather than just canceling entirely up front. Like Matt said about the UFC just buying that private island. It's going to give people something to do, and it's only going to promote their brand now. So, the same thing with the MLB trying to get a season, even if it's shortened, out in, wh- where was it? Arizona? I think they said they were going to try and do it. Yeah, yeah Arizona. That's probably going to be good. Maybe if you could do seven inning games, the problem is probably going to be the heat and all this like that you got to consider. So be it at this point. If the players want to play people want to watch and it's safe to do it, why not push forward and try to do something? Because maybe it's not always about the money, it's about trying to bring the nation together and to heal everybody Mm -hmm. one at a time. And people find solace through sports. So why not give them the sports to be able to take them off of the distraction of constantly being thrown with a virus left and right at them? Why not give them something that they're used to doing to try and get that norm of an everyday life to kind of come back?
0: Personally, I think it's uh, great that we, a lot of us, have a lot of wishful thinking. Although I sort of feel like having all 30 teams packed in one city is one of those very high risk kind of moves. So, while obviously I like the brainstorming, same with the NHL's hope of playing the playoffs in North Dakota or where not sometimes once you uh, look at the situations and consequences, you might think, okay, maybe this unfortunately might not be as realistic as we had intended it to plan. So,
2: Which I'm kind of hoping that they would look into that a little bit more. I think they will. Because again, right now the NHL has had what? A one-month break? I think exactly to the day, right? Pretty much a one-month uh, break. Off by four up days. Up. Yeah. So, if This is essentially like a the Olympic break that they used to have every four years before the Batman made the stupid decision not to send people to the Olympics. So if you think about it in the grant, again, in the grand scheme of things, another two weeks out, you're literally just pushing the season a little bit to the right. If you have to start next year's season in November, add a few extra back to backs, the players have had the extra rest. They've had more sporadic rest. So although there is still the toll on their bodies, if they want to play and they feel capable enough to play, why not try to find a solution that is able to have summer hockey? Say the Stanley Cup playoffs end in mid-July. What difference does that make at the beginning of June other than starting the season instead of mid-October, you start it early November? I think a lot of us would be in favor of cutting the next season,
0: or cutting a fifth of the next season just right. to finish this
2: one. I don't it's even like, think you have to cut an entire fifth of the season for next year. Or maybe yeah, like, like probably cut. Yeah. If that, you could cut six, seven games, and that's two weeks right there. That makes up for the two weeks that you're going to be waiting until May 1st. Life lesson specialist, Andy, do you have any thoughts?
3: I mean, I went over like the proposals of what the MLB has been offering, and what they're saying, like, it's definitely going to be a complete different game, <laughs> what they're going to try and pull. So, like, for those of you who haven't already seen the, proposals a good chunk of them are saying like no mound visits for the catchers or pitchers uh seven inning double headers they're talking about like use of uh on-field microphones and um, implementation of electronic strike zones so it's certainly something that they're going to try and like i guess speed up the games and try and because this is just the time to workshop some of these options but it's definitely something that Yeah, they're going to try and implement that sort of stuff. It makes me wonder if they're going to finish the hockey, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, how are they going to try and implement things for that? Because, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but they definitely should probably go to like a three game, a five game, a seven game, that sort of thing. Like they ramp up and how they're going to try and get the games situated with all their like different implementations. Cause I mean, there's not many rules you can change really in hockey, but I feel like they're, they're gonna be like some of them just to limit exposure and everything like that. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they limit things and how they change things. Like the smallest of tweaks could be like vital come I guess like time to award a cup.
0: Very great points indeed. So uh, let's see. Over the over the past over the past week, there was an unfortunate uh, event in the hockey world. Keandre Miller Keandre Miller was uh, doing a and A live stream with V uh, fans. For those of you who don't know, on Friday, and uh, someone someone came into the system, uh, thinking he was playing some funny game, and really totally detrimented his experience and all or whatnot. And I know this is a very tough topic to. Uh, deal with but as this happens with as this happens within our community it feels our responsibility to bring this to bring this up and uh, and addre- and sort of address how we feel and sort of address how we uh feel on it uh from my standpoint you know it's too bad that people are so focused on the outside of a person especially a uh newcomer especially a newcomer up and coming defenseman for up-and-coming defenseman for a up-and-coming Rangers team, and he's just simply trying to get to know fans better, and you have doofuses trying to come out here and ruin the party, and so, uh, gentlemen, uh, do you have any thoughts by any chance?
2: I just think it's... There's two schools of thought in terms of how it happens. It's, one, somebody was trying to be funny and clearly wasn't, and does not understand what the meaning of words are or again it's hard to put that into words alone or two you have a sick and vile person who genuinely believes that and it means that there's a serious problem and for everybody ripping on the rangers for not doing something immediately or doing it as fast as people wanted to they have literally a time frame where they have to craft the perfect response, do an investigation themselves, get everybody in the organization involved, get all the facts, all the evidence before they make this statement.
0: Lay they the just come hammer
2: out, down. Exactly. If they just come out and just say, we condemn this whole thing, they're going to get ripped apart saying, did you guys even look into it? Did you? Are, are you guys actually, like, do you guys actually care? Why don't you guys do an investigation? You guys are pathetic. But the longer they wait, address the chat, address the chat, address the chat. It's... A lose-lose situation for the organization. It's a lose-lose situation for Keandre Miller right now. And the whole thing was blown out of proportion by the hockey world in terms of the impact that it had on the team. And they completely overlooked the impact that it had on the person. You are ignoring the person themselves. Mm -hmm. That is the part that is just... uh, Yeah. It's easy to forget
0: that the PR team... Behind the behind each Twitter is like, they have feelings too. They probably see it and just like, Ugh, like, some stuff like some terrible stuff like that like takes time to just pro- take the time approach us in the right manner. And for oh, another and, and another fact too is how like the NHL's public relations and the Rangers' response were all out at the same time. So it's not exactly the Rangers; it's them and the league. Matt,
1: go ahead. Uh. <laughs> This dude's probably, whoever had the Q&A idea, the ranger social media guy, is more than likely an intern. So if an intern screws up and causes the organization that much trouble, they're fired within seconds. No one cares about this social media intern that's probably not even getting paid or making nine dollars an hour, probably just getting college credits. Like the dude was probably fired within seconds and they had a it wait five hours to rehire a new intern to run the account. Like, I don't think people understand that. Like, listen, what happened to Keandre was terrible. I was, as a Ranger fan, I was extremely disappointed. And I honestly hope that person wasn't a member of our fan base. I hope they were just some random troll who, cause you have to remember, it's not like the Rangers accounts on private. They have 1.4 million followers. And honestly, some of them might not be Ranger fans, and there's a lot of trolls in the world. If you, could, I've seen the N word in a lot of. If you go to the Devils' Instagram account, and PK Subban like messes up or lets in a not lets in a goal because he's a goal, he's not a goalie, but like he makes a turnover and then they score, you see the N word in the comments. Like, I'm not, like, these people aren't fans, so it's hard to blame the Rangers for what happened like yes they had to address it and yes they had to take their time i agree with dan but like placing the fault on the rangers is a slippery slope because it's not like the intern was the guy calling him then we or... exactly and the sport exactly
0: doesn't, the sports yeah and the sport unfortunately does not have the uh greatest greatest uh history with its uh fans and uh racial abuse but like but, but the possibility of the dude being a troll is totally very probable. Holy, and holy something probable. If I can just in real and quick. The FBI also. I also read that the FBI was starting to investigate this too. Yeah, yeah, so,
2: but
0: if that's, that's what you were going to say, Dan.
2: That's pretty much one of the things saying that you have now the FBI involved in a case, bringing publicity to a sport that's not even happening right now. So. This is something – this is going to be a much, much bigger issue because there aren't games to distract people from this topic or something else. And let mm-hmm. me say that this vile SOB, probably Twitter keyboard warrior sitting back there thinking that they're funny. It could be a member of any other fan base out there that decided that they want to hop in on this Zoom chat. There's this little pathetic loser. I mean, what other way can I put it? having nothing better in their lives than to just spam the chat with the N-word. This person is out there now getting tracked by the FBI, bringing in a whole thing all because they either thought they were funny or they were being serious, both of which are a serious, serious problem. And to touch on to Matt's point as well, seeing that happen like, to pretty much anybody with PK, with Wayne Simmons, top, a- top athletes in this sport, it doesn't matter who you are, they're going to get – called that word if that's the skin color that they are it's almost inevitable right now and it's to me it's kind of pathetic
0: Mm -hmm. all because
2: one person goes out and scores a goal and it's still mind-boggling to me that this can happen and still be tolerated but the other big thing that i'm having a problem with and matt knows my feelings on him i am not the biggest tony d'angelo fan as a player I don't care what he does off the ice. I don't care where he leans politically. But for fans going out there, going after Lemieux, Strom, and D'Angelo, after these guys are going back to defend their prospect and now teammate after he just signed, is a new Ooh. level of low. All because they disagree with one thing that he has a right to believe in. They're, if you're going after him for his First Amendment right to be able to speak his mind, to be on Twitter and say things— and then blaming him because some other pathetic loser wants to be dropping the N-word because of their beliefs? I don't don't see the connection there. And they stated their support for him, and I guarantee you that what Tony said back when he was 15 years old in the CHL is something that he learned, and he didn't really understand the meaning of what the words meant back then. And it was also not a racial slur, if I'm not mistaken. It was a LGBT slur that he used.
1: Yeah, he used the... The F word, and obviously not. Obviously, like, the LGBT F word. Yeah, I just 100%. That's another thing I wanted to address today. The people that make Twitter about Tony D'Angelo, literally, I understand we don't have hockey. I understand you guys are bored. But Twitter right now is just people either defending Tony D'Angelo or wanting him to die. Like, it's <laughs> unbelievable. These 15-year-old girls that just cry over Tony D'Angelo all day, every day. Like, you guys really have nothing better to do with your lives than to cry over this NHLer who's not even on your team. You want to debate whether he's good at hockey or not? And he's, I'm sorry, Dan, he's very good at hockey. He's a top five. Open your eyes. (laughs) Open your eyes. (laughs) He's a top five defenseman in points. It's just unbelievable because he supports Donald Trump. And because he likes to be active on Twitter, when every athlete in America is bored right now because they have nothing to do because their livelihood has been taken away from them, like it's just unbelievable. I just so on people, man. Just.
0: And you know, it's one of those things for like, I guess, for specifically Anthony, is it's like it's a lose-lose situation. You you tweet not you tweet nothing, and you get accused of not speaking out, or. You tweet something, and it's like, you said this in the past as if not every human, including ourselves, on this planet has the mental, has the capacity to learn from their mistakes and move forward. Uh, Andy, do you have any words? I thought I would let you get a chance.
3: Yeah, I'd honestly say um, basically everything that was touched on before, like, it, it really does, it's just like a leg-ish. Sucky situation. Clearly, it's something that it it sucks that this did happen because of the fact that like this kid's an incredible talent. Like he is one of the best prospects in one of the deepest prospect pools. So obviously, he's going to be a future NHLer. He should be like it'd be awesome to see him become a future star because of the fact that like he had a lot of talent coming out of high school and college and. It just sucks that, like, in 2020, we're still focusing on the source of stuff. Like, I thought that, I don't know, it'd be not, like, there's got to be a time that this is blown, thrown into the past. Like, the people that still cling to the source of stuff, it's just really, really archaic. Like, involved people. It's, it's ridiculous. But, yeah, it's definitely something that, sucks that when this sort of stuff happens you get like complete swing reactions at people because of the fact that it starts a domino effect where this happens which is clearly never should happen and then like everything that follows suit is just ridiculous
0: well moving on from that topic even though we are don't mess with the metro we decided we would take some time for this episode and uh, speak our thoughts on some of the some of the teams from our from the other division side of the east conference and that of the atlantic division we will start with the team that got oh so close last year doing the stanley cup and in the boston bruins dan would you like to start us off
2: yeah so um being that i'm stuck up in that cesspool of a town <laughs> called boston you know it, i will say it's not as bad um living up there, but it's, they do take their bruins very, very seriously, though their superiority complex is second to none. The team definitely feeds off of the fan base and the fan base feeds off of the team. So they definitely go hand in hand with each other. And the way that this season has gone for them, you could tell that this season is alive for hockey. This is not this type of fan base. That's just going to die down or be like, well, we expected Carolina. remember how Carolina last year ran off. And finally, they filled up the arena, this Boston team, they have the fans on their back. They have the talent in the top six to be able to pretty much do whatever they want. Uh, Scoring-wise, defensive-wise, it's almost unbelievable how this team is built, especially with the cap space that they're given. And honestly, I don't know what to think of this team because only of what Tampa Bay did last year.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Because Tampa Bay had such a great year last year and got swept, I'm hesitant to say that Boston would have ran the table and made it to the cup final again. Mm -hmm. Again, they're their road to the cup final would have been tough regardless of who it was going to be. But at the end of the day, this team is very, very, very talented in having a hundred points through 70 games, hitting a hundred points when the season suspended is to me pretty remarkable. And to be able to have the consistency of both home and away is almost mind boggling. They find a way to keep pretty much every game close. It's, they're a well-oiled machine that I don't see going down anytime soon and they are not carried by the goaltending of Tuca as much as many of, of like we said the other teams in the previous episode with the Metro or many of the other teams in the Atlantic that we're probably going to hit. Yeah,
0: it's like yeah, it's like with Boston you you've got you've got Tuca playing well. David Pastrnak is having a phenomenal year of scoring. Char is still taking up room on the back end back there. And like you say, they uh, feed off the fans' energy, and it's also pretty important for them, from their own team standpoint, that they sort of bounce back and take control of their division the way they have after falling short last year, the way they did, particularly losing their last two games on home ice. Andy, do you have any uh, thoughts?
3: Well, obviously, as Dan said before, and you have said, this is a very talented team. They have one of the best top lines in all of hockey. Incredible depth. Incredible defense. And Rask and uh, Hawaker, nothing to shake a stick at. Like, they have a great, talented team. And it honestly looks like, I mean, yeah, it's something that you look at them and think, they can't lose. But thing we thought about this, thought, about, um, thought this about them last year, and we thought, like, you know, we they can't lose. But, you know, you really don't remember. Was it something that he said? Are the voices in your head? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: Nudo's last two words seemed familiar
3: somewhere. So.
1: Yeah, he had a, it was too good of a rhyme.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that you never know. Playoff time, they could run into the, the hottest team, knock them out. But at the same time, if they go in hot, then they're going to be the team to beat. So you got to keep your eyes peeled for them.
1: Matt, do you have any words? Yeah, I would just say, it's funny you just put Gloria. Um, I, I was going to say, it's, it's based on whose goal is the hottest at the right time, honestly, is how the playoffs work these days. We saw that last year. Tampa had the best team in the world. I'll be completely honest, it's one of the best hockey teams since I've been alive. Yeah. Basilewski had one bad series and or four bad games really and their season was over. I do think Tuka has shown before that he's a good playoff performer. I mean we saw it last year. But I mean if was he's also his time, the season's over. So I don't think they're unbeatable by any stretch, but I mean, they have a lot of talent. It would be impossible for you to deny that.
0: Well, uh, speaking of great talent, talent that had once faltered, we now move on to our next team, second in the Atlantic with 92 points, in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andy, would you like to start us off on the Bolts?
3: Sure thing. Um, Basically, this is a team that, obviously, everyone knows the... um, Things were going really great for them last year, okay. um, but then naturally they went to the playoffs. First round, they decided to go up three nothing in the first period and called it a year. They just packed <laughs> their stuff and they were done. It was, I, I'm head out. So basically, it's one of those things that now, like this year, they can't do that again. They obviously have to say, you know, we can't just go all in and fall during the playoffs they gotta win like if otherwise this is a team built for now like they've traded away two first round picks this year they traded away miller to get a first round pick just to trade that pick away they've done so many cap maneuvering let strawman go signed shattenkirk let uh girardi retire. callahan retired they had i mean their core is not getting younger they stamkos is getting up in age like it's gonna be time that soon they're gonna be cap crunches with McDonald's contract, and eventually they're gonna have to realize that the window is starting to close. Last year was supposed to be like their year, and obviously it ended quickly, but they don't have as many memes they can or tweets that they can fire off like the last one where you can't just keep firing off those tweets and hope that you know what? We'll just be a meme God from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what do you have to say?
2: Um, Andy pretty much hit it on the head with their picks. I mean, they still find a way to gather picks even through all these trades that they make. But not having first rounders can really cripple a team. See what the Rangers did, and again, that was also bad drafting on the in terms of fourteen, fifteen. Speaking of that, because it's kind of known for me personally, but the core of that team is essentially locked up right now, and, and I don't see this team going anywhere anytime soon compared to what everybody else is thinking. Um, looking on cap friendly right now, you have Kutrov signed through 2027. Stammer's locked up through 2024. Uh, Point becomes an RFA again in 2023. Uh, Palat's the next highest cap hit. You have Gord, maybe Tyler Johnson, might give him a little bit of a cap crunch quote-unquote but those guys are all there it's going to be honestly it's going to be pretty interesting to see with all these no trade clauses who are they going to protect who are they going to have to uh expose in the expansion draft with seattle because as of right now Hedman, mcdonough um when is the expansion draft supposed to be 2021 correct yes, yes. and the player has to be under contract for that season correct yeah correct. a yeah. free agent does not need to be protected All right, so that means that they have Hedman, McDonough, uh, Kalorn, Johnson, Gord, Palat, and Stammer, all with uh, no-trade clauses or no-movement clauses. That's seven skaters right there alone. Oh, and Coburn. And Coburn's under a no-trade as well. So that means that Kucherov is technically exposed right now. Brayden Point is technically exposed right now. So... Is the downfall of this Tampa team going to be the expansion draft and losing a key guy, or are they going to be able to keep fighting through? That's pretty much how I think about this team going forward. As of right now, they're just a well-oiled machine that knows how to play well. Cooper's obviously a very, very good coach, knows how to get the best out of his players. They found their way out of the cap crunch with Stamkos back in 2019 when they had to sign the triplets in 2018. And was it um uh, Kucherov last year right i am mean, mistaken that or no uh, i remember that stammer was the odd one out but yeah. other than that maybe the expansion draft is the only way that they have as an out that i can think of at least
0: and i think one important thing to note is how they actually started like the season kind of off on the slow end like probably still feeling the jitters from last year's collapse but then i think the past like couple months or so they've really rallied it together and should there and should there be should there be a playoffs this year i feel like they would and like have them have less noise compared to what they've had the past couple years the they would probably really benefit from that probably similar to the caps from past years so maybe they so maybe they wouldn't end their season going the last uh, 159 minutes and 27 seconds without scoring a goal so
1: matt what do you have any words so here's what no one talks about. I mean, maybe people talk about it, and I don't listen. But hockey, as we saw with the Rangers in um, 2016, we saw it. I'm trying to think of other Chicago, LA, these teams that play more games than anyone else in a certain span of time. The Rangers went deep in the two consecutive playoff runs. They they got to. They played 100 games in back-to-back seasons. And the next game, they just couldn't keep up. Like, athletes get tired. Whether you want to admit it or not, when one team has is off from March or April 9th and the other team's playing until June 29th, and, like, that has an effect on your body. So I think Tampa, honestly, I think although they were out a little earlier this year, They just weren't, like, they ran out of gas at the end of last year. You could see it in game four. They just weren't the same team they were in the beginning of the year. People also forget, although they were rolling, like, they didn't finish the year as strong. as Their point per game pace, like, up until game, like, 70 of last season was, like, a record-setting pace. But they didn't finish as strong. And, yeah, you could say, well, they're already clinched and they probably didn't want to get hurt but they were also running out of gas. And that's like a real thing in sports that no one really wants to talk about. And I think it just has to be mentioned. And I think, honestly, they come back this year with not only the longer off season, but also they, um, they'll they have this month break from or multiple month break from the coronavirus. If we play any more hockey this year, I think Tampa is honestly, in my opinion, the favorite to win the cup if Vasileski can find himself. And find his game. So I, I think a lot of people just need to talk about, like Boston next year. Although they might not be losing that much talent, they've they'll they'll have played probably a hundred games in back-to-back seasons. Like fatigue is a real thing as a professional athlete.
0: I totally agree with you, hundred percent on the fatigue factor. Although Tampa did miss the playoffs in two thousand seventeen. I mean, obviously, they went deep in the conference finals in 2016 and 2018, went to game seven those years. Sure. Like, in 2017, they didn't make the playoffs, so, like... You're obviously correct on the fatigue part, although I don't think they played that
3: many yeah, games maybe,
0: necessarily.
3: So. twenty seventeen 2016-17, they did battle a lot of injuries, though. That, gotta correct. That. that was the year that they were like, the reason they missed the playoffs were because the first half they were like bruised and battered. They and, didn't stammer you know. miss the entire season, too. That was the year. Yeah.
0: So like, well, you know, my boy Zach would tell me the Tampa Bay Lightning won 62 games and said, fuck it, we done. now." <laughs> so, and we done with Tampa, we now move on to our next team, the number third seed in the Atlantic in the Toronto Maple Leafs.
2: Yeah, speaking of taking the month of pretty much April, May, June, and the entire summer off.
0: (laughs) Dan, would you like to get us going?
2: Yeah, I guess I'll kind of start it off. Well, first, uh, they fired that fuck Babcock. Pretty sure uh, Kami was definitely happy about that one. (laughs) Um, And signed the... Butte, known as uh, Sheldon Keefe. Um, but that team definitely made a turnaround uh, um, in terms of, terms of how they've played. You could definitely see it. They I don't know if it's just me, but they definitely, they, they're playing more like a unit. There's no other way to really kind of describe it. They're actually a team right now. It seemed like they were kind of very individual at first, especially when uh, Johnny T went over there. But now it just seems that they're more of a well-oiled machine. They're playing more as a team. They look a lot faster for some reason. Again, couldn't really tell you why, and I think it's reflecting on uh, the standings as well. But much like Tampa, there they're supposed to be in a win-now mode
0: with the amount of players they have under contract, how many years they're spending, and ugh, they're what is it, forty million dollars on like their on like four players? Yeah, they don't That's, have cap space right now. <laughs> that is a lot. So. And for a team, and for a team that hasn't won a playoff series in 16 years, uh, I personally feel like the clock is ticking on them a lot faster than what the uh, average Joe might be thinking. So, uh, Matt, what are your takes?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't like Toronto. Honestly, I just don't think. When you look at the other teams in the Atlantic, I know obviously taxes play a little bit of a role in it. But the two best teams, the Bruins and the Lightning, they both take a lot of team friendly deals. Marsh and team friendly deal. Bergeron, team friendly deal. Stammer. Team wait, friendly did friendly you just
2: deal. put Boston and taxes in like <laughs> the same phrase as yeah, wait Tampa? A <laughs> hold on, hold on. No, no, no. Whoa, I'm whoa, said, whoa, whoa. I, I,
1: I said I know Toronto taxes are insane.
2: But but you're talking about you know Boston, agree- teams like know, Boston and I know Tampa.
1: Boston has bad taxes, but Toronto like um. Where was I going with that? Yeah, so, I mean, in general, these team-friendly deals are just killing Toronto because, I mean, their players are holding out to get paid. Meanwhile, in Boston, they're volunteering to give up millions of dollars. So, I'm just saying, I know John Tavares, like, he left the Islanders. He, obviously, you're going to have to pay a free agent when they're giving up that extra contract here. But, I mean, Nylander's overrated, Um, Marner,
2: he got paid.
1: Matthews has to get paid, or probably did get paid already, I honestly,
2: Yeah, he's got 11.6 through 2024.
1: Yeah, like, I just don't... When you have 40 million in four players, and none of them are defensemen, may I add, it could get scary
0: very quickly. That is very true, except did you seriously just call him Nylander? Yeah, Nylander. Does he... Shit, does he pronounce it it like
1: that? Richard's a Nylander, but I will
0: say... I have always said Nylander. Uh, I'm
2: pretty sure it is Nylander, but, you know... Same.
1: I mean, everyone called his dad Nylander, so...
2: It's the quality of that Florida education down there. Yeah, exactly. He's, He's a DC legend. Don't at me, so...
1: If you go to Sweden, they
3: might pronounce it even differently. You never know. Very likely so. Andy, what takes you got? Well... Let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Can we take a team seriously that loses to their AHL Zamboni driver? <laughs> this is no disrespect to him because David Ayers might be the best goaltender in their system. So, <laughs> like, this is this team, when I look at it, it's the prototypical the first time that a kid plays with uh, like a um, sports game and signs all the big free agents but doesn't realize they have to keep depth. Because they have some insane talent at the top. Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, Kapanen. Even, like, they did get Clifford at the deadline. They signed Spezza to a short deal, like a one-year prove-me deal sort of thing. And, like, it's just one of those things that they have really great scoring talent. But their defense, it's atrocious, to say the least. And... They don't have money to deal with it. Like because they signed so many good prospects at the top, they just do not have money to deal with the bottom. Like I think it's 50 mil in forwards, and those like most of those big name forwards are locked up for good. So they're gonna like uh, they're gonna have to flip one of them. And since Tavares has a no move clause, I'm pretty sure they're gonna just keep around uh, Marner just because he's a low like a local kid. So it's going to be one of Kapanen, Nealander or Matthews, who I keep saying will eventually go back to Arizona. But it's one of things that also they didn't address many of their problems at the deadline and never went after like a big free agent or a big um, expiring like RFA goalie and instead went after Jack Campbell. So eh, I just don't see it from them. I'm sorry. This is... One of the things that I just can't see them getting past the first round once again. So we'll keep those memes afloat, and in a couple of years, they'll have the longest cup drought in history. Mm-hmm. Not sorry about that. Perfectly fine. Go ahead and take the throne.
0: In the words of In the words of our president, NHL Trump, the propaganda maple leaves.
2: <laughs>
0: next, next up on our list, we have the uh, floor of the Panthers. So then, just below that bubble. Florida, boring, Matt. Do you have what are some of the any
1: words on the uh, nearby product? We just don't claim the Florida Panthers as a hockey team. I mean, no one goes to their games. No one goes to their games. Did I say no one goes to their games? Like, I mean, like, no. No one cares about Miami hockey. Like, I just don't understand why they exist. I think them and the Islanders should move to Europe. And we could start colonizing Europe as a hockey city or, or China. Hockey all right, city? That's, all right. a hockey <laughs> continent.
3: Oh, yes. boy. Sun- you know
0: Sunbelt Andy, Andy, fire off.
3: All right. Well, first of all, we're just going to go ahead and ignore everything I just said in referring to. I'm not cutting the that city. out. That
2: is gold. That is gold.
3: <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, let's just go ahead and acknowledge that that happened. Um, secondly, this team, I don't even know. I want the Sun Belt to do well. This team, for some reason, does not want to do well. They'll make one or two good moves and then make a whole crap ton of bad moves, because they went after. They got one of the best coaches. They got a great um, young like uh, forward core, and all the um, like all the advanced metrics show that they're a team that will do great offensively, but give up a lot of shots defensively because their defense is really not at all consistent it's a very either aging core or the young players on it had like flash in the pan sort of years where they regressed hard they hit that wall very hard I mean Ekblad really did great his first and second year and then after that bam he just decides to slow down majorly Yandel as soon as he signed that big contract went down the hill Strauman is finally his age is catching up to him like it's Unfortunately, it's not helping out their goalie, Bobrovsky, who many people point to him and laugh, but really he did, like, I mean, he signed a big contract that obviously he's going to take it. Who's not going to take 70 mil over seven years, but it just, it sucks that he's been put in this situation.
2: Andy pretty much hit it on the head. This division is so top heavy that you would think that it would probably be the AL East at this point. I don't see any team outside of the top three really competing. And it's not because the Metro is that good, necessarily. Um, It's just these teams aren't, they don't have the roster that's really built to make a run. Um, Again, just looking through some of these names, uh, besides and Barkov, I guess technically Hoffman, do you really have any guys that you can rely on offensively? I don't think Dadunov's somebody that you can really rely on. Your next two highest point-getters are Yandel and Ekblad, and Vitrano fall, falls right behind them. It's like the team isn't going to be able to score. They don't have the goaltending to be able to get it done. Uh, They've they definitely paid a goaltender to get it done, and he's clearly not doing the job. Uh, we definitely touched upon that uh, when Eric was talking last episode about Bob. But... <laughs> Again, and the way that this team is built right now, they're freeing up some cap space, luckily, but who knows what they have to do with that? It's, I really have nothing, there, there's no clear names that are on this list that are going to be important to re sign. I mean, maybe Mike Hoffman might be one of their priorities, but at 30 years old and being on pretty much shit teams for a while, is he really going to want to re sign in Florida long term? Um, Dadnov had a great year um he's up for resign, hall is up to get re-signed um uh, they're 31 and 29 respectively um a couple of rfas nothing really important i guess i'll send it over to matt at this point <laughs> i mean I, I just don't see this team making a run anytime soon
1: yeah as far as talent goes i mean they don't have any i'll we'll make it very simple they have two players that everyone loves to say is underrated because they play in Florida, but everyone just knows how good Barkov is. And I think Aaron Ekblad is honestly like a massive disappointment. I know he's actually having a pretty decent season, but when you think of what he was supposed to be, um, he was an exceptional status player in the CHL and then the number one overall pick. I just don't think he's living up to the hype that everyone like thought he would. And I mean, he has a—he's—he's he's making some pretty decent money. So I'm not sure, like, if maybe they just built their team around him, and then when he didn't live up to the hype, like, they were screwed. But I just don't like the way they constructed their roster, and especially—I mean, we've all said it—ten million or, yeah, ten million on a goalie is not the way you win in the NHL anymore. So.
0: Yeah, they're always that team that always seems to be a piece or two away from taking the next step forward. And so it's one of those things where, unfortunately, it's like they might come close on, super close on in a few seasons and just like just fall short of making that next step. And, yeah, Trocek was tripped, but that still matters. And goaltending is obviously very hit or miss, man. For the pricey price that was put up on there, it's... Uh, so, lots more people call it to, towards Miss. So, next up on our list, we have the French boys, the Montreal oh. Canadiens.
1: I'm gonna leave the brag about Montreal taxes. So,
0: okay. <laughs>
3: Andy, would you like to start us off? Sure thing. Speaking of pricey price, um, we carry price on this team. That if you want to talk about someone who's like falling off a cliff, I think this year has proven that he is really like just gone off i mean it's 32 years old he is not what he was before and yeah obviously he was like kind of there was a time he was overrated there were other times that he was like legitimately one of the best if not the best goalie in the game at that season but this past like couple of years he's been getting like slowed down further and further until at this point the guy's game 10.5 mil a year and he's signed long term so I mean, this team is obviously going to be going through a rebuild. They're retooling, like, basically on the fly. And they do have, like, young talent. They have – I don't think anyone, like, on their team is um, inked, like, on their – at least for their forwards, like, more than five or five-and-a-half mil or at least longer than, like, 20, 23, I think, last I checked. But, yeah, it's one of those things that I just don't see them, like – have, I mean, they have a whole 14 picks this year and I think 10 picks next year. So they are definitely going to a rebuild. Obviously, they have Shea Weber on defense. That's going to be kind of an Albatross contract soon. But between him and Price, like those contracts are holding them back from being able to either go on a full rebuild and get like a rebuild on the fly or being able to go on like a retool and do something like... Uh, it just it feels like they're they're gonna kind of hold them back a little bit from being able to reach the echelon that is uh, Tampa and Boston now and even Toronto. Like they still are ways out. Obviously, they do have the young talent, but the one asset they had for years in uh, Carey Price has become their liability.
0: And very nice use of the terms there,
2: Dan. Just another team that's just stuck in the mud as of right now. Nyssberry hasn't been fantastic again he's young but you would expect the third overall pick to have a little bit of an impact other than that i really have nothing the team isn't again built to make a run right now i don't see where they're going to improve pretty much Mm -hmm. having shea weber locked up at age 34 with 7.8 on the cap carrie price is just wasting his prime years is he going to be another henrik lundquist kind of guy who may never win a cup and sticking around with the team who knows Kreider was tripped and that's all i can say (laughs) Well, uh,
0: during Dan's speaking time, we had one of our members join us just now. Gianni, do you have uh, any takes on the current state of the Habs?
4: Well, first current state of my life, pretty brutal. Wake up at like 9 p.m., go to sleep around 7 a.m., and then just keep repeating the cycle. So my fault for joining live. But Canadians, (laughs) Canadians, Canadians suck. And they are in bad shape, everywhere up and down the roster, in the prospect pool, in the cap. That's all I can say. We can move to the next. I don't even want to talk about Montreal. What a horrible team for me to do. We're not even talking about a fun team. You got to come in and talk about Montreal. It's horrible.
3: So Damn, hey, you just missed a Gloria. No. <laughs> Damn,
0: man, the, disres- the disrespect for no,
3: they're the they're the meanest my- fans. They're
4: the, they're the meanest fans on Twitter. On- they're the meanest fans on Twitter. Like when the Devils beat them on Thanksgiving, I was, t- I was talking trash. You know, half the it's Thanksgiving. I mean, they were just they were just so mean to me, and they come in bunches. Like it's mm. not just one fan; it's like 70 at once. And it's always it's if ever if ever you attack that girl, there's this one Habs fan girl. I don't know what her name is, but her simp army come after you. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like they will well. attack you.
0: That is uh, an interesting take. Considering oh, I, 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 mean, I, I have been, the, uh, I've been to the I have been to the Bell Center twice, oh, openly rooted for my openly rooted for my team twice. Saw them win, twice, and the fans were awesome.
4: No, oh, uh, no, they're nice in person. It's a beautiful city. They're just mean on Twitter.
0: Keyboard, <laughs> keyboard warriors, keyboard, yeah, keyboard warriors. Keyboard warriors for sure. Next up, yep, we do move you. down our next up. We move down our list to. Western New York, the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, jeez.
3: And- <laughs> um, all right. Well, if you ever been to Buffalo, you're going to know that, first of all, if you go there during a game where they play a local, like a rival team, it's going to be filled with rival team fans. <laughs> I remember going there for a Rangers game, and it was like 65, 35 Rangers there. So, yeah, Machine North was fun. Um, I got to say, I've never seen a team waste more talent. Then Buffalo, like, I thought that um, the Oilers were experts of weight talent, but Buffalo might take that throne. Yeah. Like, how do you go through,
2: I mean, especially yeah.
3: this past season when uh, Ryan O'Reilly won, literally won the... Conn uh, um, Smythe. Conn Smythe, exactly. And they've had, like, two first, or, or, like, a first overall pick, a second overall pick on them, both in their early 20s. And then this year, like, they just completely lay another goose egg. It's, you're thinking, like, okay, well, when are they going to break out? Like, they've had Evander Kane came and went. They had uh, Ryan O'Reilly came and went. They've had, like, half the Islanders from the <laughs> mid-2010s came and went. This team just, I don't understand how they literally keep, even Laner, as soon as he leaves them, he just wins, like, uh, Vezna. I mean, it's just, how does this team just royally screw up so many years in a row? Mildly impressive.
0: Uh, Gianni, do you have any words, if you want to release any?
4: No, I think just Buffalo. It's, it starts kind of with management, right? Like, the players, they're not all there. Like, some of the moves that they make just don't help the situation. Like, look at Buffalo. What did they need going into this season? They needed a center. They didn't get the center. Right. And then they trade for Jimmy VC. That helps none. Mm. Um, they traded for um, Montour. Who I, th- I thought that's a pretty good ad. Their goaltender situation is actually pretty decent. I thought that um, I forgot his name. I picked him up in fantasy. I should know his name. Cause, oh, Linus Omar. He actually played pretty well. Uh, he faced like 50 shots a night, but he played pretty well. But then it just they get to the trade deadline and you're like, okay, are they going to sell? Who are they going to sell? And then they buy Wayne Simmons. Like, what sense does that make? Like, what, what? Out of all players, why are you buying Wayne Simmons? Like, as a Devils fan, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a good guy. But, like, what is Wayne Simmons going to do for you? You're 12 points out of a playoff spot, out of the wild card. The Devils are about to pass them in the standings. Like, why are you spending draft picks on aged veterans that you, you can't get in? So, I just think that they, they definitely need... Something to believe in, um, and I don't think they have that right now. So,
0: mm-hmm. Daniel, what about you?
2: I'm a little disappointed. Uh, Andy forgot to mention one of their prized prospects who opted not to sign with them. Uh, the best goaltender in the LA Kings system, Cal Peterson, ended up spurning the Buffalo Sabres after Jack Eichel tried to recruit him after his junior year, to make sure that he signed in Buffalo. Sure enough, he goes to another dumpster fire, but that's besides the point. Buffalo, again, and Andy, I'm going to have to attack you again, saying that they're, they might surpass Edmonton. You're not going to surpass Edmonton when you had Taylor Hall, RNH, Jordan Eberle, uh, you, you name it. They Nail had, Yakupov. N- <laughs> Nail Yakupov, again. All it's all a yak- point. You should have have, Mark Saul, but that's just my point. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. They had all this talent, and they still couldn't find a way to win. Blame it on management. Blame it on, I shouldn't say management. Blame it on Chiarelli. um, Blame it on the back end. Again, probably Chiarelli's fault. Uh, Blame it on the goaltending. Chiarelli for trading for Talbot. But it's not an ineptitude quite like Edmonton but it is definitely the Eastern Conference version of ineptitude. And that's. And we're probably going to touch on them coming up soon. Ottawa had that summer from hell, and I don't think that that summer alone can top off what the Sabres have been since their cup run in 6 07. Or was it 05-06? 06-07 uh, uh, and 5 06, they both went to the
0: conference finals, but didn't make it to the cup.
2: So both of their runs early on. Yeah. It's to think that wasn't one of the cup finals Edmonton versus Buffalo?
0: No. That's a Boston.
2: That was uh, Carolina. Carolina. It was Edmonton, Carolina. Carolina, yeah. so, Carolina again, beat Buffalo in seven. So Sorry, I mix up my inept teams sometimes. Um, <laughs> literally, I don't see where this team goes. They are wasting away Jack Eichel to levels that I don't think we've, we're ever going to see. Their cap situation isn't the greatest in the world, but they might have some room. But who's going to want to go up to Buffalo with that team is running with the team that they have? Jeff Skinner at nine million dollars. <laughs> oh they still goodness. have they still have Okposo <laughs> under contract for another four years at $6 million a year. Uh, other than that, though, they're freeing up everybody except for Marcus Johansson. Two things. Okay.
4: I, can we just? I mean, like, where do you guys stand? Is Jeff Skinner? I know it's one year, but is he the worst contract in hockey?
2: Currently this year alone, yes.
4: Yeah, not like mm-hmm. yeah. yeah no if he do- if he doesn't improve, because you know what you saw is like when he was on Jack Eichel's wing, he was a forty goal scorer. He signs that giant contract. Then they find out that Victor Olafson can play on Jack Eichel's wing, right? Skinner gets bumped down, and like, what did he finish the season with? How many goals? Fifteen. Like that's brutal for nine million
3: yeah. in the yeah, first he only has year. 23 yeah, twenty three
4: points. Yeah, that's I mean that's unreal. So now it just comes down to a point where it's like, how long until you trade Eichel? It's coming. It's it's obviously coming.
3: Oh, it's
2: just, it's gonna be it real funny long. when uh, Eichel and Matthews reunite in the desert.
3: And right. <laughs> yes, sir. That, first, that top two to town is just gonna be one hell of a uh, roll. And you know to, and, to
0: and you know to the Oilers' credit, they at least won seven playoff games in the 2010s. Yeah, it wasn't
4: a it wasn't a bad run the last time the Oilers got in. But, I they, mean, like, they, yeah. they lost. Games,
0: they went to game seven.
4: Yeah, that's sharks?
3: what. Ducks. They beat no, the sharks.
4: Right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, um, that's the out. thing. Also, this is the longest drought. Now the Buffalo Sabres have the longest uh, playoff drought in hockey.
0: Oof, tough stuff, yeah. tough stuff. It's gonna so, be a lot longer. So, moving down our list, as Dan mentioned, with the uh, wild summers of the Ottawa Senators. So, we will start with you, Dan, as you hinted at their presence.
2: We'll start when the times were good, when they had Mika Zibanejad, Eric Carlson, a team that probably could compete, uh, would compete probably to this day, uh, riding on the back of Craig Anderson. Uh, When he had that unreal year, that whole team rallied around him. That was the unity of a team that I never would have thought bullying to some sort of... The point where you had... They couldn't even talk about it because it was a part of a legitimate court case with NDA signed. That means that you know something was happening for everything to come out and then just blow up that team as a result. I didn't see this team going anywhere. Then they got ripped on for drafting Brady Kachuk because... Apparently, if you play college hockey, you shouldn't be drafted at all in the first round for some odd reason. (laughs) Uh, I then began to see their vision. I didn't expect it when they made the trade with the Sharks at first because I thought they got fleeced. But looking at it now, they have potentially three first-round picks this year, four second-round picks this year, and two third-round picks this year. Likely, all nine of them in the top 100 to say that this team cannot compete within the next couple of years is probably doing an injustice to what probably dorian walked himself into i don't think he intentionally did this he didn't expect san jose to be a lottery team he didn't expect probably the islanders to be a lottery team as well but i mean obviously not like a first round pick uh potential but then to be able to still have the Isles second, Dallas's is second, Columbus's second, and Winnipeg's third, and next year having Columbus's second and the Sharks' second, this team, if they fuck up all nine of these draft picks, relegate them to the AHL. <laughs> Move them to Quebec. <laughs>
0: yeah. Quebec I, City.
2: I'd, other than that alone, I think this team is on the uprise. They have some talent. Bobby Ryan's, what, 33 now. He has two more years under contract. Colin White's locked up at 4.75, and he's only going to get better. Anisimov is going to be off the books after next year. And then from here on out, everybody else is either a UFA or an RFA on that on their forwards. Zaitsev is their only one who's locked up long-term on defense. Hainsey's done after this year. Uh, Mike Riley has one more year. And oh, uh, Kabat's locked up at 8. Um didn't notice that because he was only making ELC money this year. So this team has the young talent. Craig Anderson's done after this year as well. If they get a goaltender, and they're going to free up all that money on IR as well, between uh, Gabrick, Callahan, uh, MacArthur, this team might card. have a, a run in them. Ass- assuming they can get some extra talent, be able to market their talent a little bit. Other than that, Give it three years, Ottawa's going to take over as the team to beat in the Atlantic. And the cool. team to beat, and to,
0: particularly the team to beat in Ontario. Why not? Yeah. Gianni, what do you
4: have to say? They, I mean, it's so tough to tell with them because, like, they have, I think they have, what, nine mm-hmm. picks in the first three rounds? Yeah, so it's nine. They are um, their team, I guess, that can go either way. If they hit on their picks, they they should be pretty set. I think they need to get a center, uh, number one center. I don't think Colton White's number one center or Colin White. I think Shabbat is he's kind of moving into that range as most underrated player in the in the league. He's probably a top ten defenseman. Like the, I guess he just kinda of gets overshadowed because he plays on Ottawa. The guy plays all situations. He's really good at it. And if you're really good at anything on Ottawa, you're really good. That that's <laughs> like the pushing point. So I think Shabbat's really good and like Dan said, I think the really the biggest question mark is not going to come from the picks. I think it's who they have in net. Uh, no one in net right now is a uh, future piece. They they keep trying to push Hogberg, whatever his name is. He sucks. Um, Craig Anderson, he was good for you know a couple of years. Got them to the playoffs. Got them to the Eastern Conference Finals. He sucks. Uh, what happened to Hamburgler? Really? Like he's a He look like something. He sucks. Like, they really need to get something in net. If they do, and they hit on even half their picks, I I have to agree. Three or four years, they're going to be running the Atlantic, if not the entire Eastern Conference. Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, look at it. What what team is really, like, everyone talks so highly of the Metro, and, oh, they're going to be so good. They're going to be so good. And why is that? It's because they have that potential starter in net. And You can't talk about that with Ottawa, so I don't think that's why they're not in the conversation now. But if they can, if they can get that, they're they're right in there. They're right in the mix.
3: Handbraining hey, Holby.
4: <clears throat>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would say one thing with Ottawa is they definitely turned around the narrative, like basically flipped a switch on the narrative. So like everyone talked about how bad they were um, years ago, or like after the. Uh, Carlson trade, well, really from when they went to a cup in 2017 to 2018, like how they were really screwed. Almost Their future in. screwed. They talk about how, like, this team, how are they supposed to rebuild and everything. And now they went out and played, like, insane trades. They now have 17 picks, I think, in the first three rounds of the next uh, couple of years. So they have – they're really deep as all get-out. And they have, they can get like the top pieces. Obviously, they have uh, Brandstrom in that trade. Um, with, for the Markstone trade, they pulled like insane talents. Honestly, I think like if they can draft properly, they're gonna be good. But look at like some of the drafts in the past. They grabbed Lazar too early. They went after Matt Pumple. Um, they had Spanjed, but then they flipped them. They gotta make sure that the next step for them is basically like how to move. Like, yeah, it's not just draft. It's how to proceed from there. I think recognizing really the which challenge.
2: talent's going to stick around. That's the main there thing. Go.
0: Crazy how we went from watching a urinating trees video of we were a team to discussing that these guys might be uh, objects in the mirror closer than they appear. So, and last in that lesson, but not least on our list The Detroit Red Wings. (laughs) Gianni, would you like to start
4: us off? Yeah, because I can't wait to hear theirs. So, um, Detroit's such a weird team. Like they, you talk about Ottawa. Like okay, if they get a piece in net, you know, maybe a couple, couple other top six pieces. Like what doesn't Detroit need? Like who? What do they? I guess. Like, I don't even know where to start with them. They have no. Really no offense. Like, I'm sorry, Larkin. Not gonna, he, he's not going to do it. He had a great year this year, though. And he was pretty dominant. But it's not, he's not going to carry an entire offense by himself. No wingers. Uh, and you trade Anthony to see you for what? Like, what sense does that make? Your team rebuilding and you trade a winger under 26? Like, what sense does that make? I forgot how old he is. But um, he's got to be. He's young enough that he can stick around during this. Uh, yeah, I guess you have Manta. He's a pretty solid winger, but then like look at the back end, it's brutal. I they they did um I forgot what his name is um the kid from Germany, he's sick. Probably was the best uh, best defensive prospect taken after the big boy. Um, they took him last year, and everybody's like, oh, he's a stretch. I forgot what his name. is. I have to look it up. But yeah, they they definitely need more than uh more than one piece, and they are going to be bad for. A long time, like a really long time. Like quarantine lasts five more years. Long time, like they—they're pretty screwed. So,
0: um, Mortise Cider, uh, is that what you meant to say? Cider, Mort- yeah, yeah. yeah. Sider, if that's how I pronounce it, correct. So, I want to try to—I want to try to speak on for my second favorite team to the best of my ability. As I mentioned in previous episodes, I thought tree's video on the. They're like fall and decline of an empire, like totally hit the nail on the head of like everything. You know, like, Holland mortgaged a future just to keep a playoff streak intact. And once that thing was over, it's like you're already deep into the quicksand. Spending boatloads of money on dudes who put up like goals in like the teen number in like the teen numbers, you know, you don't exactly have. Paul Dotsuk and Henrik Zetterberg walking through those doors anymore. And I mean, Jonathan Erickson isn't exactly, uh, well, that's solid. Uh, Nick Lindstrom, too, ain't walking through those doors anymore. I mean, it really all goes back to how they uh, structured their uh, contracts early, early on and with who they built their team off around for just a little bare minimum amount. And now they can't even get, out, get, them, get themselves deep out of the cellar. I'm a fan of Steve of having Steve Eisman at the helm, back at the helm. And as I mentioned in the previous in the previous episode, I think in the previous episode or in the first one, I was a, I was a fan of the pick for Cider because, for as depleted as Detroit as they are on offense, they're pretty depleted. Even worse on defense, and you know, like as we we discussed before, like good defensemen are really hard to come by, and you know, it's like when you're already. I mean, your team is already that bad enough. It's like, what do you have to lose by gambling on a defenseman six overall? Like, you know, like Stevie Yzerman did this thing, building Tampa from the basement to a uh, one of the league's one of the league's powerhouses. So, like, I trust I trust that man. I trust I trust whatever instincts he has in mind. It will probably take five years at minimum, perhaps more, but. He's the guy I won up there, and as I and I also mentioned in the last episode, right now in goaltending, like Jimmy Howard's, Jimmy Howard's okay. Like he's not, he's not the best goal in the world, but he's also not terrible. He's not exactly benefiting from playing on a team like the Red Wings of all, but like, he, but I first, pers- I personally think that he sh- they should be continuing the ride with him and keep holding faith in him moving forward so dan what do you think
2: let me just start by saying should i say echoing what i said in the previous episode about this team being probably one of the worst hockey teams that i've seen ever and i thought that that carolina or not carolina uh, Colorado, Colorado team from two years ago prior to drafting kale mccarr was one of the worst this team is horrendous they are the definition of a team that's like a shitty 80s pop punk band who went nowhere who's trying to go on some sort of reunion tour to try and keep some phony streak alive and appease like the small amount of fans that are stir- currently still in that state of delusion and we talk a lot about Isles fans being like that dad who just can't seem to let go of those four years that he had back in high school in the early 80s keeping on bragging about those four consecutive years that he had and how great they were when in reality he's done jack shit while working at walmart since And those Isles fans are less delusional than those Detroit fans who thought that those guys were still competing. They are literally holding on to the past. Like Andy Bernard said in the office episode, like talking about the good old days, these people thought that they were still in the good old days and the front office for the Detroit Red Wings fell for it. No other way to put it. They decided to bring the band back together, went on a reunion tour that their speakers basically failed, and now they're just into an oblivion. That is the state of this team. I don't see that team going anywhere anytime soon. Dylan Larkin, good luck.
0: Well, I do think that's a uh, rather scorching hot take, considering uh, the Red Wings' last cup was all of what uh, 12 years ago, whereas the Islanders is uh, 35. But part of that is also true.
2: Considering it's, it's, it's more of the part point, of that. You know? Isles fans thinking that they're still in the good old days with the four straight Cups. And Detroit thought that they were still in their run in the late 2000s, early 2010s.
0: Well, well, part of that is warranted true because all the players from that team got old and they retired. And so once that was all said and done and gone, you didn't have them anymore to to bank track on. So, And, you know, it's like, this team doesn't exactly uh, help Dylan Larkin's development, but it certainly helps uh, all y'all's uh, propaganda. So with that, Andy, I'll pass it on to you.
3: Well, um, one thing I will say, the Red Wings, like, from 2000, or from nineteen ninety-seven, one. Well, 97. When they started their playoff streak, right? Yeah. Or 92. 91. Yeah, so 91 to 2016 made the playoffs pretty much every year
0: actually and, it the same too.
3: uh but yeah it was they made the playoffs every year and um now that's i mean they haven't they've been pretty much like on a tailspin it's kind of funny though because like you always talk about some teams that during that same stretch you had like every sport had a team that seemed to like go on a deep run obviously the patriots and um Football have been, like, making deep runs every year and, like, making the playoffs every year, almost every year besides, like, 2008 when the NFL was nuts. Uh, You have the Spurs that were making the playoffs for every year because they had consistency. And finally, you have, in baseball, the Yankees making the um, postseason or at least having a winning season every year since 1992 um, or 93. But, you know, as a Yankee fan, I have to laugh and think, like, you know, some teams need to go on, like, need to rebuild. That's cute. Like, rebuild on the fly. Grow a pair. But, yeah, honestly, it's... They are, like, really down in... Just in a really dismal sort of place. But if anyone's going to pull it out... I mean, this is the same Steve Eisman who built up the Lightning to where they are now. I would think that he would be the one who would want you'd want at the reins for this. To basically lead the ship back to... uh back to shore because it's definitely going to drift things have definitely not panned out and when you also think about the return for Athens CU was just horrendous they don't have really that many more pieces that they can flip where it's like um, Ottawa that hey they still were able to flip Mark Stone for a good return they were able to flip Carlson for a really good return and now Detroit doesn't even have that good pieces. Where are they going to get for Larkin? Like, And if they flip him, first of all, you're losing out on a really good talent. Secondly, you're selling really low on a potentially higher talent. They have to hope that he gets better. They have to get, like, somehow signed good free agents in the next couple of years just to flip them. And they just need to, like, pull some crazy maneuvers just to become somewhat viable as a franchise again, because right now they are they're down there. And this is a team that we have thought about for years as like a premier team for the NHL. It's man, like North America, North America sports and North America, and like, really Amer- America Amer- and like an, across all of North America. So. Exactly. Yeah, they were basically like one of the faces of consistent championship contention, and and now it's just back like in a two, back in back in two thousand
0: eight. Yeah. Right. I also. Yeah. I also. Forget- I also forgot to mention, like, FNSU was, like, holding out on, like, the first contract originally, so, like, yeah,
3: T- yeah 10 I mean, photos, yeah, taken moments before disaster. Exactly. Well, that was also when, like, they signed all those players just, like, right before FNCU was threatening, because of the fact that, like, instead of signing him, they signed as many players to try and keep their playoff streak alive, and they completely forgot, you know, we have homegrown talent, and he was threatening to go to KHL, so... I
0: thought this holdout was like last year, though, or like two years ago. Like once the playoff streak was already gone,
4: Anthony it, he held out for like three years. <laughs> like I, I feel like every year he's holding out. <laughs> yeah, I
3: was gonna say it was. It started when like they still were trying. To, they still had so much money on the contract because they were paying like Trevor Daly over him, and I was like, okay, that's not gonna end well. And well, it did not.
0: But that's like, but that's like post playoff streak. So it's like. It's not even like playoff streaking, like the matter, too. And they're just like out there, like signing somebody like Trevor Daly, as opposed to someone with a star. like, happen to see you. Uh, Holland, you might be losing your grip, so that's why Stevie Wise in town. So <clears throat> that wraps up our uh, analysis of the Atlantic Division. But we cannot forget uh, the very important Andy's Life Lesson of the Week. So. Yes.
3: What do we have on the oh, table? Let me get
2: my notebook out. Like, I gotta get this one ready.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, gonna go ahead and say this one's a two-parter because um, main. Well, actually, this one's just mainly saying for this weekend or this past weekend what I was basically up to, gentlemen. If I've taught you anything, it's this: drinking on a swing set is acceptable in two situations. Number one, you're reconnecting with a middle school crush. Or number two, there's a global pandemic. <laughs> Either way, you're thinking of a time when the world seemed normal and wasn't in disarray. And let's should judge you otherwise. So keep moving.
2: That's Those are wise words. But uh, how did this reconnection with the crush go? Uh, I, I, I think uh, we need to hear this one.
3: Oh, no. The reconnection with the crush was something that happened a while ago. It was, um, it was like two or three years ago. But I was just like that was the only other time that I could possibly think of where I was drinking on swing set as a this past <laughs> weekend, where I was like, all right, well, this sucks. I'm gonna grab a six pack and head on over to the park that is completely abandoned. Yippee! Yeah. Damn. Speaking of no That's drinking,
2: you. Ian, you, we got nine days. I'm I'm doing it for you. I'm proving Andy and uh, Eric wrong over here. So. I didn't get Gianni's prediction. You know, I've got, but,
0: you know, I've got faith in you. You know, I've got yeah. faith in you. So. <laughs> My <laughs> well, lips are so
2: unconditioned. It's going to be oh fantastic. <laughs>
0: it, it, it
2: is, this will
0: be epic. Well, I think that concludes our episode for this week. And uh, g- gentlemen, I uh, feel like we uh, hit this very well. Once again, whether if you were joined early or joined late, <laughs> no. it's very well put into place. i will so, set my
4: alarm for 7 p.m. tomorrow, or next time we do, and so I'll be up. <laughs>
0: you, hey, just uh, open the chat, and it's all, it's all there. It's all there. So, <laughs> Alrighty. Have a wonderful night, y'all.
2: And thanks Da-da. for listening. Great to see you guys.